Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you the hottest stars on Broadway, off-Broadway, in London, and around the country. I'm your host, Variety's theater editor, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to John Leguizamo, the writer and actor whose latest one-man stage show, Latin History for Morons, is now playing on Broadway at Studio 54. In it, Leguizamo recounts his discovery that his son's American history class has almost entirely overlooked the contributions of Latinos, and he speeds us through three millennia of history, from the Mayans to the present day. John's in the studio to tell us all about it. Hi, John. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Um, Glad to be here, man. Tell us a little bit about how the show came about. How much of the story you tell on stage is is true? Well, half the show is a personal story, and the other half is Latin history in terms of our empires and founding forefathers and and proving that we too are the sons and daughters of the American Revolution. And the other half, it, it, the genesis of that was a real story of my son being bullied at school and uh, for two years and, uh, you know, how it propelled me to really start doing research about my Latin history so, so mostly to empower my son so he would have facts and and figures and and words to tell people to shut up and leave you alone. And, but it reminded me of my youth, too, how I got bullied by that, you know, by being a Latin man. You know, like you're playing a game of... of this, was uh, in, this was in Queens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing a game of stoop ball or off the wall or Johnny Ride a Pony and you beat somebody and all of a sudden you're a spick, you know? What? And all oh, get out of my country and you're like... Then you realize, oh my God, a mother. I didn't realize. I thought we were all equal and the same all of a sudden you're other as a little kid and i didn't have the words to answer back you know and then i I know my son must have felt the same way and that's why i started doing the the research and there are a lot of books on stage uh, oh yeah you pick up are those the actual books you read yeah yeah they are they are i read most of them some of them i didn't finish all the way through you know some i just didn't find as exciting as others others were more important like uh, Eduardo Galliano's Open Veins of Latin America. That's the one I tell everybody to pick up because it's all our Latin history in 250 pages. But you can't read it once. You have to read it like five times. Seriously. Because it's so dense and so beautifully written. What's the best thing you learned from that one? Oh, wow. Well, 
the numbers, the numbers of how much gold was stolen from us. 500,000 tons of gold taken from the Incas, uh, the, the uh, Muisca, the Nariño, uh, all, all, the, all the sort of Incan and Incan tri tributary top tribes. 500,000 and twice as much silver that funded the, the British, the French, the Spanish, the Ottoman empires, and, and Chinese empires. Because China liked silver more. Right, yeah, yeah. And what's the best thing you learned from all your reading that you couldn't get in the show? Anything? That I am a true ghetto nerd is what I, <laughs> is the real discovery. No, that's in the show, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am a ghetto nerd, man, and there's power to be had from that. So you know? this was news to you. This is the the sort of that that well, you were yeah, in, you were into it, that kind of thing. Okay. That accepting that because you know it's hard being a ghetto nerd. You're the loneliest kid on the block because you're not cool enough for the cool kids. And you're not nerdy enough for the re for the white nerdy kids, so you're like stuck in this sort of uh, middle of the road kind of thing. But right. now I'm I'm badass. No. <laughs> and why? What? When did this was the decision made to uh, take these this personal story and the, then the learning you did because of it and turn it into a show? This was four years ago, right? Um, right after my son got bullied so after the end of that whole sort of uh tragedy in our family because it was really horrible because the kids yeah. you know they started you know we started complaining and then when we started complaining they punished the whole gray when they started because they started they they upped the bullying to cyber bullying they made a like an internet game called for the within the class and they put it public find the spot the beaner and they put my son's pictures in there you know with uh, maracas and and, and uh, bandito hats and and so when we turned the whole grade in, then they punished the grade for like right. a month and took away their computers and stuff. So then my son became the pariah of the whole entire grade. Right? Did it surprise you that things like this still happen? These yeah, days? dude, I was shocked. I was like, I mean, I know racism exists. I mean, subliminally, you know, I mean, the, the negative messaging is pretty. Pretty before this presidency was kind of everywhere, but now it's not even subliminal anymore. Now it's right in your face. Right. Yeah, dude. I mean, he goes to a very fancy private school. I'm like, how can that happen in in modern day New York, right. when half the population of this city is Latin? How can that be happening? Does but this it is. does this show change night to night? A little bit. Of, a little bit. Like, do you try a new, try try out a new joke one night? Yeah, or yeah. Try out I do. A, yeah. I try. I mean, you know, my show is pretty close to. A, I mean, it's scripted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's also close to a place that I'm really very happy with. So right. the the changes are, are smaller, but they're still happening every night. You know, certain sections, certain jokes I'm testing, or you know, and then I come up with new stuff. Stuff comes to me while I'm on stage, and and it, and, it, and it's better usually. Has Sometimes it isn't. Has that happened recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since you last saw what? it. I, oh yeah, like what? Yeah, the the ending now is uh, much, oh. much tighter because. At the at, when I was doing it before, people never applauded at the end of my son's high school speech. Right now they applaud, so it became the end. So I had no choice but to make it the end because I couldn't do an epilogue. I couldn't. There was no room. They they weren't having it. So I was like, fine. Right. right. <laughs> There's a collective intelligence that happens w in those moments where you go. You know, the audience kind of has more knowledge at that point. Yeah. 
And you portray a handful of real life people, uh, including your wife, memorable, yeah, yeah. memorably, as best um, as I can. Tell, well, t- tell me a little. She'll say I'm way off. Well, that's what that's what I wanted to ask you about. So do a little of her voice and tell me about sort of who she is for you on stage. Well, I do my wife. I talk like this. She talks like a little. You know, I, I exaggerate a little bit of her New York uh-huh. Jewishness, Upper West Side, a little bit. Yep. You know, so it's a conflation of of her and her mother. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, and so then how much of the woman we meet on stage is, uh, oh, is that's related her. to... <laughs> that's her. I mean, my wife is very, very sort of um, righteous, but in a beautiful way, you know, mm. very so against inequality, against injustice, you know, and uh, does no, she, that's what I, one of the things I really love about her. Does she get any say in your characterization of her in terms of... The voice and the gestures. She tries to influence me, <laughs> and I. And, and so when she shows up, I, I I do it her way, and then when she leaves, I do it my way. <laughs> and I think that's a fair yeah, trade. No, I think that's right. <laughs> and what's it like for you to kind of? There's an emotional arc to your relationship with, oh, yeah. uh, with your son. Um, what's it like for you to kind of relive that night to night? These moments when you're kind of struggling as a parent, right? You know. It affects me different different ways, different times. Obviously, if someone in my family is there, it, it really affects me, and it all comes back, and the PTSD of it all comes back. Because it was a hard time. It was really a hard time for my wife and I, and, and my son. Obviously, you know, he spent almost two years alone, and but he was, but he was, oh, he was my hero, man. I mean, he was my hero. He said, "Dad, you know, I'm just gonna study, get good grades. I'm getting out of this school, and I'm going to go to a great school afterwards." And that was. I was so proud of him that, he, you know, he wasn't going to mess with the bully or, or get into a fight with them. Right. Yeah. And have you talked to him at all about what it's like for him to see you on st- to, to see himself on stage and then see kind of your re- his relationship with you portrayed on stage? You know, I talked to him before he saw the show. I, 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 I prepped him a little bit going, you know, you know, I'm taking a license here with and and and, and sort of a parental privilege of mm. of of caricaturizing you a little bit. And I hope you're okay with that. I know it's a very uncomfortable thing for me if somebody takes the way I think I am and then they caricaturize me like on uh, The Simpsons or, uh, or, or Family Guy, whatever. It's, it's odd, you know, and I'm, you know, but I'm older. I, I'm used to it. But right. this is a young man for the first time having somebody. Right. How old is he now? He's now he's 16. 16, okay. So he would have been 12 then at the time when this no, no, was no. happening? No, 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 he just saw it recently. Oh, no, I guess, I guess what I mean is when oh, the yeah, events yes. of the he play, was he was 12 at yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, 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 right. Exactly. right. Oh, you did your math good. You, did I, you know, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you've been doing solo theater pieces for God, like twenty-five years now. I'm one right? of the pioneers like, now, to, right? I mean, <laughs> I've become one of the forefathers. This, this is back to like the early '90s with Mambo yeah, yeah. Mouth, right? And Spikarama. Yeah, yeah, and when did you start doing those? When did when did you discover that as a form for yourself? In the in the late '80s, you know, New York was so vital back then. You know, I mean, it, since the '70s, New York's been vital. In t- in, in the art scene, especially performance art, you know, and yeah. that's the, because, you know, I didn't really like going to comedy clubs and improv clubs. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, because that's it, where you were performing be- pre- yeah, well, prior to that, right? You were doing stand-up, right? Yeah. I, well, no, not really stand-up. I was mm. doing uh, uh, improv groups, First Amendment, oh, okay. uh, Chicago City Limits, uh, improv, Olympics. Uh, and then I did do some comedy clubs. I did I did do them. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Right. Yeah. But it was not my thing, man. It was just like, it was so joke, set up, set up joke, set up joke. And the audience was into that, and they signed the contract together. That that's all they're going to do, and it was just so limiting for me. And it wasn't my thing. I like long stories. I like 
I like to go for emotion. I like to, I like to rock the audience a little bit and turn them against me a little bit and then win them back, you know? And then when did you, what gave you the idea to do your first monologue? What was, was there a show you saw or a performance? Yes, yes. Or a... I, I, you know, I came out of, I mean, I created my own thing. I mean, I, I am a pioneer of yeah. this sort of autobiographical right. play thing. But my inspirations were Spalding Gray, mm-hmm. Eric Bogosian, who brought the rock and roll and sex to it, Whoopi Goldberg, who bl- brought the, the ghetto and the poetry, right. and Lily Tomlin, who, who brought sort of a, really uplifted the one-man show to another area. And then I took a little bit of everybody's right. and created my own autobiographical play, playing all my characters in it. So, you know. And what you like about it is you get to go deeper and you get to tell longer stories. Is that why? Is that what you prefer? Yes, to the, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just in general, how do you decide when you have a thread or a theme or an idea for one of these shows? What is it? What is it that sparks those ideas? Usually it's always some kind of tragedy for me, some kind of personal trauma that I can't really deal with in life. And and that's kind of always the sort of the the germination of the idea for me. Right. Have you ever been wrong? Have you ever thought this this could be a show and then halfway halfway down the road decided, no, oh, maybe it's not a show? No. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it takes me years you know like ghetto clown took me 10 years to put that together and that right. was i i had a i had a, a like a nervous breakdown and and it was hard for me that was that, that show was really difficult to do for me emotionally it was a hard one even though this is personal and it's about my son somehow it's easier it's 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 uh i don't know more uplifting yeah i was going to ask actually sort of what it's like doing these they can you know tackle some tough topics how right. hard is it for you to you know, do on a regular basis. How um, kind of affecting is it for you? Oh, it's rough. I mean, last yeah. night after the show, I really felt like I'd been in a fight, <laughs> like I got beat up by Mike Tyson, right. and I was trying to walk off the right. ring, out of the ring. I, I felt really, and then Ghetto Clown used to always leave me like emotionally, like really do you, bankrupt. Do you have thoughts about why Ghetto Clown in particular? We should we should say that Ghetto Clown was, was your last of, Broadway show. There was a lot of traumatic stuff that was personal that I was reliving every single night. That was really really difficult and so I think there was so many of those moments in one night so I had to like open up all these wounds and and rip off the 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 the, the psychological scab right. and then dig into it and then so I, so it was it was it was rough and given all that what do you get out of doing these shows what what draws you to doing them again and again I think it's it's healing for me in some ways and especially for the audience I get I get lots of fan mail and people stopping me. And after the show, like uh, when I did Freak, so many kids came up and, and said, you know, my father was very abusive and I related to your show and it's really helped me heal. That kind of stuff makes me feel great, man, you know. And with Ghetto Clown, lots of people said, you know, I was going to quit doing my art. I was going to quit dancing. I was going to quit acting. But your show really inspired me to continue. And that was the point. And now with this one, you see all these people going, what's the syllabus? Can you give me the names of the books? I want to read that. I felt so empowered when I left your show, you know. Do you have that? Where, where is the syllabus? Where? It used to be at the public website. Uh-huh. And then it was on my website, but I got I to get it back up. But get I mean, the, the books, I'll list right. it right now. Yeah, I do. Edgar, Eduardo Galliano's Open Veins of Latin America. Right. Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States. Charles Mann's 1491 mm-hmm. and 1493. So it's before the conquest and after the conquest. Those are my favorite books. Right. Okay. 
Um, and character is obviously an important part of the stuff you do. You, you do a lot character, of characters. Characters, character. rather. Like the characters you portray. You have a... There's always... Uh, you know, a number of characters that you portray. I do with various... Alexander de Tocqueville. Uh-huh. Yeah. Talking yep. to Congress in the 1800s. I do Alexander... Uh, I'm not Alexander Hamilton. Uh, uh, I do uh, uh, Andrew Jackson putting out his Indian yep. Removal Act. I do, obviously, my mom, my yeah. wife, my son, my <laughs> yep. daughter, yep. my therapist, my therapist. He, yeah, has he seen it? Yeah, yeah. and he's like, are you going to be doing me again? <laughs> I don't know if that, that, that violates our doctor-patient confidentiality. I know he's hilarious. He's, he's paranoid now about everything he says in, 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 in the... In yeah, the I bet. Yeah. And so then how, how do you approach those characters? Do you go... Do you work kind of from the voice and the gesture first externally right. or internally? What do you do? How do you find them? I, I think first is internally get, get sort of their psychology and then I start watching them even more once I pick them. And then, I, and then I do sort of a little distillation, a little Andy Warhol. <laughs> I kind of like uh, want to make my sort of impression of them because just being true to them is not always as funny. When do you tell them that they're going to be in your next show? When they see it. <laughs> Has anyone ever been surprised? I think my assistant was, and then she tried to sue me, so I cut her out. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> um, you mentioned... This show played at the public before it was on yes. Broadway, and you mentioned Joe Papp actually in, oh, the, of course in your show. To. Yeah, tell tell me about the ways in which the public and Joe Papp have kind of been a part of your career. Wow, that's a good question, man. Because the public, when I was a kid, was the most important theater event in New York City as a young actor in America. I think. And Joseph Papp swore to do the, all of 36 Shakespeare's plays. And I was in the first one. I was terrible. I was so god-awful. I didn't know you were in the first one. Yeah. yeah. Midsummer Night's Dream. I played Puck. I was god Well, that was the first one. I yeah. did know you were Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. Yeah. I was what? horrible. T- tell me why. Because. Well, I think because I was so method. <laughs> and I really just must wanted. must have been a nightmare to live with I was if you nightmare. were method. I was a nightmare. I was a nightmare. Because I was playing practical jokes, and everybody put yeah. itching powder in their in their underwear. I, I, you know, F. Mary Abraham came back, says, "Please, John, I beg of you." He brought his Oscar too. Can you just show me the same respect that I show you, please? And he got on his knee. And I go, "Please, get up, man. I'm sorry. I won't mess around anymore." I was a nightmare. <laughs> but and so, and, and so, so Joseph Papp took me to the side and, yeah. and tried to coach me. Right, right. And, and I was so method, you know. And there was, there was an arrogance that came with that. But you learn from it, clearly, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Shakespeare, I, I don't know. I really feel Shakespeare is for those Shakespearean-type actors. <laughs> right, yeah. I really do. I mean, I love it and respect it, but you got to really put man hours into that sucker to make it really sing and live. And I'm so, you know, I've always been in love with contemporary theater and contemporary art, you know? Do you have a sense of how the, the solo shows that you've done have kind of influenced the work or kind of guided the work that you do in the broader entertainment industry with film and TV? Like, well, how have they influenced the stuff you do and get asked to do? Well, I know it's influenced a lot of artists, you know, a lot of artists, mm-hmm. you know, you know uh, have come up to me and said, you know, I write because I saw that you wrote and, and it gave me really the impetus to write and uh and, and I know it opened up doors for a lot of Latin people and, and writers and 
And you know, uh, yeah, you know, it opened up uh, my first show. Be- I did it because I was just not getting the respectful work that I felt I deserved. You know, I just there was so, there was only so many drug dealers, murderers, and rapists. Right. That was that, Mamba Mouth. That was the first show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I wanted to portray, and I was like, I'm feeding into a negative messaging, and and it's like enough of that shit. I just had enough of it. It was just like, how many, how. Why isn't Hollywood seeing us as we really are? Where are the Sonia Sotomayors and the mm. and 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 God forbid the Marco Rubios and, <laughs> and, and and the Ted Cruzes? But they are out there running for office. Where are they in the in 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 the media? They're all we just constantly in a negative in the in the negative instead of in the positive limelight. You know, portray us positively, then we won't be vulnerable to attacks from POTUS forty five. Right, and. The entertainment industry now is uh, much more aware of, you know, issues aware. of authenticity and diversity. Aware. Well, this is my question. Tell me, what's aware your take on... Aware is not enough, bro. Okay. You know, aware is, you know, it's like uh, Republicans, you know, sending their prayers and thoughts for all these mass shootings and do nothing about it. Right. Awareness is not enough, man. We're, we're less than 3% of the images of the people right. on screen. I mean, that's puny. We're the least represented minority in films and we're almost 20% of the population I mean we, we, we're dominate in, in baseball we have some basketball players <laughs> <laughs> we have a ton of football players we have a ton of politicians we, we're, we're doing great things we, we have Pulitzer Prize winning playwrights novelists where are those people in the Hollywood mix why, why aren't we at least ten percent. Right. I mean, I, I mean, something's got to be done. Yeah, it sounds like you think haven't, things haven't changed much in, over the course of your career. Not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Not enough. Yeah, they have, but not enough. Right. Yeah. In you wrote a book also um, that uh, in which you say something along the lines of, "I'm a terrible model model for how to have a successful career." Right. What do you mean by that? Why is that? Because I'm too outspoken and, and too political and too uh, won't shut my mouth, yeah. and it's better if you if you it's better if you don't do those things. Right, much easier. What kind of blowback have you gotten for that? Because you do have a reputation for re- for being a truth teller, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, even even with this election, you know, I, I started posting very political things, and I saw my numbers drop. I lost a lot of uh, people that I don't really want to follow me anyway, but <laughs> but uh, I, I lost a lot of followers. You, 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 when you cease to be an entertainer and you, and you become an artist and you're political, then, you know, it, it, it has consequences. That's why I respect anybody who speaks out. And politics and art go, and your creative side go hand in hand for you. If you're an inside. artist, yeah. I mean, I have, a, I have a separation. Entertainers entertain, mm-hmm. and artists change the world and they're political and they take risks and they're activists right and in fact the show you're doing now is a is a form of activism in terms absolutely, of getting it absolutely. right right i know nidia vasquez borrowed from my show when she did that beautiful speech because oh. she came to see my show at the public and yeah. she said you know four hundred thousand of us fought in world war ii which is right from my show and she oh, right. said we have shed blood for america we have, you know, it, it was beautiful that right. she borrowed words from my show, which is what it's supposed to be. Right. It's supposed to help people get the words to express themselves. Right, yeah. And what other kind of, well, I guess two questions. The first is, have you felt like you've been, there have been rewards for being as out, as outspoken as you are? Oh, yeah. My fans are, are really loyal and really beautiful. And 
I think there are, there are a lot of rewards, man. I think there are a lot of rewards. I mean, the way you see things changing. I mean, all these play, Latin playwrights trying to make it, and writers and performers and comedian Latin comedians trying to make it. You know, and they all like they they, they you know they they thank me in some way, and I feel you know like they're like they're a godfather. You know, right, right, and. Has there been an incident, a particular incident of blowback that you've gotten for, you know, speaking out that made you think, oh, maybe I don't, maybe I shouldn't? Well, I mean, it depends. Sometimes I was very racy or just mm -hmm. edgy. And back in the day, I <laughs> I, I, I did a, a VH1 Music Awards and I was too edgy. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> and, and, I, and I was banned from, you know, presenting at the Oscars and... Oh. And at the Emmys, yeah, all right. Um, no, no, it was an Emmy. Was it an Emmy? It was. It was two. It was two events that I was too, too edgy. Have you come out and talk, the whole entertainment industry is talking about sexual harassment right yeah. now? Have you talked about that at all? Well, maybe I wasn't good looking enough. I don't know. Nobody's <laughs> assaulted me. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of but you know, I think it's a correction. I think it's a moral correction against what's happening in our administration and what happened with this election and, and what Trump got away with, all the, his assaults. I think sort of there's a moral correction happening in our society and in America, which is a beautiful thing because that stuff does need to stop, all this predatory behavior. And, you know, I just, yeah. if it ain't consensual, then don't then just step off. Yeah. Of all the work you've done, what do you get asked about? What one project do you get asked about the most? Uh, the most. I mean, it, it's different because different people respond to different things. Like I know Chichi Rodriguez from Tu Wong Fu became a an icon at it in the '90s for uh, transgender teenagers, right? Which was which was incredible to to know that you know. So that was really powerful for me. Um, I mean, freak people lo freak, love freak, yeah. you know. So much that I turned into a comic book, you know, because we're not... Oh, yeah, actually, let's talk a little bit yeah, about yeah. that. That's fun. Um, tell, tell, tell us about how that happened. It's a graphic novel now, yeah? yeah? No, no, it's a, it's comic, a comic book. book. Comic okay. book in three parts. Okay. And you can get it on Amazon. Mm. Ghetto Clown became a graphic novel, and I got an right. Eisner nomination, which is like a Oscar's that's a big deal. graphic novels. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a big, big deal. <laughs> Even though I didn't win, and that's what I, probably what I'll focus on. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. How did that, that happen? How did, how did those... How did that genre mashup come well, about? Well, you know, it's just, you know, land people have been a huge part of the the um, comic book industry since the 40s. I mean, you had Vargas doing all those pinups since the 20s. Mm -hmm. You had Alex Schomburg, who's Puerto Rican, uh, drawing oh. Captain America in the 40s. Yeah. But yet we don't have, we have all these artists, massive amounts of artists creating the comic books, but no Latin Superhero, so I said, let me do my own comic book, and I based it on Freak because I felt like this character, this guy, was trying to be his own hero in his own life, and to get out of his neighborhood and get out of the ghetto hood and and survive that. I thought that that makes a superhero. Yeah. And what's next for you? You're on Broadway through uh, it's February, yeah. 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 Um, and then what are you off to next? Well, I, I did this Waco miniseries for Paramount TV that launches in January, which is brilliantly written. Right. What network is that? That's there's a new the old Spike TV. Okay, yeah. Reboots yeah. as Paramount TV in uh, January. Right. And this All is right. their first thing, and it's amazing. Taylor Kitsch oh. uh, as um, as Davidian as a Dave, David Koresh is incredible. Mm. 
Right. More playing FBI guy. One of because there were three Latin FBI guys who infiltrated uh, the Davidians and pretended to be Davidians. Right. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like a juicy part, actually. Oh yeah. Uh, as incredible. you describe it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great yeah. part. Yeah. And it's clear from a show like Latin History for Morons that you keep theater is a thing you keep circling back to. Why oh, is that? Oh, I love theater. I mean, where else was I given the freedom to be myself and 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 do? Latin-based subject matter, but theater. Look, what, what did Hamilton happen? Didn't happen in movies. Didn't happen in TV. Can you imagine a pitch meeting of him trying to sell <laughs> Hamilton? The executives would be like, yes, but uh, there were no black or Latino founding forefathers, and they, they didn't speak in rap, you know. But in, but in theater, Lin-Manuel was allowed to be himself and to do this colorblind casting. And biggest hit that Broadway has ever had. You know, so that's why I go back to theater because they, you're allowed to be as authentic to your voice as, pop, as, as, you, as you can be, as you want to be. I think that's a great place for us to stop. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Nice to Thank talk you to you. Me, Good to Pleasure. see you. That was John Leguizamo talking about his Broadway solo show, Latin History for Morons. On the next episode of Stagecraft, I talked to Rachel Bloom, the creator of the CW's musical series, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.